Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We just felt those three words, they devoted themselves just go deep into our hearts because we saw this amazing revival type moment as Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, if you're unfamiliar with it. He preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. It's dramatic and a church is birthed over in, overnight. In a moment, 3,000 people turn from their sin, turn to Jesus and respond to Him in dramatic ways. They, get, they repent, they get baptized. And then we see this incredible community form of generosity, of vulnerability, of love, of sacrifice, of going the extra mile for, for, those, for those people who do not know Jesus, for laying their lives down for one another, to sharing their homes with each other. This beautiful picture of community that's, that is nothing like it on earth. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual dynamic. And we sang these two moments of salvation breaking and community forming was linked by these three words, they devoted themselves. We don't see in Scripture, Peter didn't give them a, a document and saying, this is how you do community. They didn't have a course on Community 101 that had to happen after salvation. It wasn't anything like that. It was a Holy Spirit moment as God put the courage in them to devote themselves. Not a preacher doing it, not a, a bishop, not a committee devoting the people to community, but they devoted themselves to living the Jesus mission here on earth. And we're saying that is the call, that actually this thing of becoming all who Christ has called us to be is ultimately not my job. It's not a pastor's job. It is ultimately rest on us. Yes, there's a role and a function for that. But actually, the Bible tells us that he gives us the analogy of a body. Christ is the head and we are the body. There's no third category called pastor. There's the head, there's the body. We're all part of the body. Your job, sir, ma'am, is to devote yourself. My job is to devote myself. The word disciple primarily in Scripture is used as a noun. It's who you are. It's not something that's done to you primarily. Yes, there's a role for us to lean into one another and call each other to the more. But actually, ultimately, rest on you and I picking up the call of God for ourselves. You don't get a family discount going into heaven. No, I'm with those guys. No, 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 no. Jesus says, and who do you say I am? This is a call to us to follow Jesus, devote ourselves in community. The power comes to that. So this morning, I wanted to say that there is enough evidence in Scripture and church history to actually suggest, and this is what we've been driving at the whole series, is that you can't truly be devoted to Jesus and not be devoted to His community. A massive statement Something that is, that is actually rocking us to the core. Not just a good idea, because I think if we all went around and did a census, do you believe in community? Yes. Next question, do you truly live it? I'm not too sure. And that's where the rubber hits the road. And this is truth coming from my heart, saying that actually it's not just one thing to be in community, it's called to live in community. And that's what we've been pushing ourselves at in this series. And this, mo this morning I want to just take a different tact. The man who preached the sermon of Acts 2 that, that launched the church, uh, his name was Peter. And this man named Peter is just a, such an incredible guy. I love his story. We see the sermon of this man standing up, preaching this great orator, defender of the faith, 3,000 people responding, community being formed in dramatic ways. But actually, I want to take us back very quickly and walk us through Peter's journey, his life story very quickly. And I want to take us all the way back, back to the beach, as Shekinah tells us. Take me back to the beach. Thank you. One person listens to the radio. So we're going all the way back to the beach 
where Peter was originally with a bunch of other guys and a man named Jesus, a rabbi, walks past Peter. He is not, a, Peter is no big shot. He's no great preacher. He's a fisherman. He's a man with calluses on his hands, probably vulgar jokes coming out of his mouth. He's a guy who spends all day out on the, on the fishing thing boats there. And he's just, he's a, he's a salt of the earth guy. He's a guy who knows all the soccer scores. He knows he plays all the fantasy Premier League. He does, he does, he plays fives on the weekend. He's just that guy. He's a man's man, Peter. That's not in the scripture. That's in my imagination of who he is. There's nothing there about fantasy Premier League in the scriptures. I know some of you are searching. Is that in Jude? No, it's not. But Peter, this amazing man, he's on the, on, on the, on the beach there, and Jesus walks past Peter, and this man who's fishing, a man who's, as, we, as we've explored in the series, a man who probably didn't quite make the grade in the education system of the day, is there fishing, doing the trade of his father, and Jesus walks past, sees him, and says, Peter, come follow me. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says to him in, the, in that moment on the beach, he says, come follow me. Yeah, I see something bigger in you, bigger than just your status quo, bigger than just your run-of-the-mill Monday to Friday work. I see something bigger in you than just the here and now. I see something of eternal value. Come follow me, and I'll take what you're doing, fishing for fish, and I'll make sure that you are fishing for people. I'll give, you, I'll give you, in that moment, Jesus is giving him a future, giving him value, affirming who, he's call, who he is and who he's called to be. And this dramatic story of Peter following Jesus begins. And it's this amazing thing. I can imagine Peter. The Bible tells us, it says immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. They left everything. Other scriptures tell us they left their fathers and mothers and they went to follow Jesus. Now, as I've read that often, these were the scripture, the commentators will tell us that Peter would have been late, mid, late teenager. Leaving his nets, a, a random dude walks past, says, come follow me. And they leave everything immediately and go follow him. Cheers, dad, I'm off. Stranger danger, surely, as a parent. Like, but, but it seems like the parents were excited about this. Why? Because Jesus was a rabbi. He was not just some ob guy walking by uh, with, with a cool beard and a nice robe. No, no, no. This was a rabbi who is a man who's calling him into a bigger future. So the family is so excited. Peter goes, it's a high moment. They probably would have quickly taken a quick Instagram photo. Our boys made it. Jesus called them today. And like the likes were coming in. The family was so excited. It was a high moment in Peter's life. But then we keep following Peter's journey. And as we see Peter's journey, we find him a few pages over. If you flick over, he's on a boat with a bunch of guys. I'm on a boat, he would have been singing. And uh, as he's on this boat, they're fishing. The storm comes up, and it's a storm of all storms. A storm that, would have, that scares fishermen is a big storm, massive storm. So he, they're there, the boat is it's rocking. Things are going crazy. They're holding on for their dear lives. And all of a sudden, they, they start freaking out. They're like, we're going to die on this boat. We're going to die. This is it. This is how we go down, boys. It's been a good ride. And... Uh, as, they, as they're going, as the ship is, is, is creaking and about to go down, they look out in the waves and they start to see a figure walking across the water towards them. And they start to freak out. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. I told you this stuff was real. They're freaking out. And all of a sudden, Peter looks out. No, no, it's not a ghost. That's Jesus. That's Jesus on the water. And all of a sudden, courage fills their hearts. So they, the waves are huge. The storm is going is, is massive. But Jesus is walking on the water towards them. This is not an ordinary day. This is exciting. And Peter gets out the water, uh, he gets out the boat, so Jesus says, Peter, come to me. And Peter starts walking on the water. This is a big day. This is another one for the, you've got to take another photo in the moment. I'm walking on water today. And uh, as he starts walking on the water, he starts going towards Jesus. And Jesus in this moment looks at, this is the guy, Peter, is the only guy in the Bible we can say besides Jesus who walked on water. Radical, radical thing for your Twitter bio. I walked on water. And as he's walking on water towards Jesus, there comes a moment where he says he 
His eyes look up. He sees the wind. He sees the waves. Reality hits and he's going, what am I doing? I'm not even wearing the right shoes for this sort of activity. And, and all of a sudden, he tells he started to sink. And what I, what I find amazing about Jesus, Jesus, you cannot put Jesus in a box because Jesus has this remarkable response to Peter. Peter's just walked on water. Guys, I'm going, that is epic. Five steps on water, that's cool. Come on, guys. You know, you, no one's going to go, oh, I could have done seven. No, no, you're like, wow, that's amazing. But Jesus says, Peter, why do you have so little faith? This rebuke in the wind and the waves. As Peter starts to sing, and Jesus lifts him up, picks him up, and they walk back into the boat. It's like, I can imagine Peter sitting there on the boat going, I just got rebuked for walking on water. How do I reconcile this thing? You know, high moment, low moment. Welcome to Peter's life. This is Peter, the up and down guy. The very next thing, they get off the boat. They, they're sitting there in Matthew 16. You turn a page over, and Jesus is having this discourse with his disciples. There's been a lot of commentary, a lot of people having their, their words to say about Jesus. And, and uh, rumors are, are going wild about Jesus, who he is and what he's doing. And Jesus turns to the disciples, and Peter in particular, and says, who the people say I am? And they say, hey, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, but Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter, a guy who we know has not really flourished in the educational system of the day, but he says something that is just so remarkable. He looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him with a smile and says, Peter, that was revealed to you by my Father. That's not of earth. That's not of a book. That is of my Father. That's revelation of the Father. He says, Peter, today I'm changing your name. Your name is Cephas. You are, your name is Rock. And, 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 and he says, actually, and on, on this revelation of that you've had, on this revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can imagine Peter going, oh yeah, I'm back in, boys. High fives, oh my goodness, I'm in. It's this dramatic moment that is so huge that is, that is actually just, it's a defining moment in the church. The revelation of Jesus by Peter in this dramatic moment. And Peter is thrilled until you turn one page over and he's walking behind Jesus going, I'm the main, guys, get behind me, disciples. I am with Jesus. You heard what we said. On this rock, you know, the revelation. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm part of this thing. And he's walking with Jesus. And then Jesus says, guys, I'm, I'm on my way to Jerusalem to die. And Peter goes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well at the moment. So he goes, Jesus, never, we'll never let you die. I'll defend you to the death. Peter goes, hey, guys, I've got this one. And Jesus turns around. Jesus says this, get behind me, Satan, for you have the things of, of earth in mind and not of heaven. <laughs> this is a killer. Jesus has just called this guy Satan. Peter, welcome to Peter's life. Peter on this rock, I will build my church. Ah! Get behind me, Satan. Ah, back of the queue. It's like, oh, guys, I'm going to take the next day off. Just okay, let's watch some series at home. Just recoup a little bit. This is a big one, you know. Tough day when, when Jesus calls you Satan. <laughs> but just this amazing thing. And then the story continues. And there's this more of this pledges as, as they go into the garden. And Peter says, I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll die for you. Peter there. Cutting off ears, just it's just a dramatic story. And Jesus says, he says, I'll die for you. And Jesus says, Yeah, Peter, I hear your emotional outburst here, but actually tomorrow, by the time the, the, the rooster crows, you're gonna have denied me three times. Peter, never, never, Jesus. I am your guy. You know, because Peter's bounced back. You know, he's like, I'm back in now. Jesus says, Okay. And we know the story. Jesus gets taken away to be crucified. And Peter gets asked the first time, Hey, aren't you with that guy? No, 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 no. I don't know him. Second time, hey, I've, I've seen you in, those, in those, those, those Instagram posts with Jesus walking on water and stuff. I saw you, man. You're with this dude. Nope, don't know him. 
third time. You are definitely that guy. You are definitely the guy. I saw at that wedding in Canaan, the water into wine thing. You're that guy. You're with him. I do not know him. The rooster crows, says Jesus, looks at Peter, and Peter bursts into tears, weeping, as he realizes the truth. Peter, the rock, get behind me, Satan. I'll die for you, denying Jesus. Peter's story, thankfully, doesn't end there. Jesus dies, rises from the dead, and meets Peter on the beach. And he goes up to Peter, and Peter sheepishly said, I'll do the brying, brying the fish there, because he knows this, this is awkward. The last time I was chatting about Jesus, I was denying him there. So the other guys are chatting, Jesus, so good to see you, raised from the dead. Peter's like, yeah, great to see you. What's going to come my way this time? And Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know, you know I love you, Lord. A little bit sheepishly, he says, no, okay, feed my sheep. Second time, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Third, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times, three times he denied Jesus, three times Jesus restores him on the beach. This dramatic moment as Jesus restores Peter back to who he's been called to be. Peter's journey, come follow me. <sighs> this journey up and down, up and down all the way. Then we find this man, Peter, in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fills him. He stands up. Now this guy who's, who's foot and mouth guy all the time gets up and preaches this incredible sermon that 3,000 people get saved from. Any revivalist would love those numbers. Peter gets up, first sermon, bam. The religious turn to Christ in their numbers, in their droves. Good day for Peter. Then we keep reading. Acts chapter 10 is when he pops up again. In Acts chapter 10, we find that Peter is just, is just having a good day. He's actually having a nap. The Bible tells us he goes, gets put in a trance on a rooftop. Just dozing. You know, it's one of those good days in, the, in, the, in the, the Jerusalem afternoon heat. Just having a nap. And he says he has a vision from heaven. And, and, Jesus starts, and, 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 the, and God starts to pour before him a whole picture of all these different animals. From, from every animal that, is, that was, was, it was clean, but also then to the animals that were seen as unclean to Jewish people. Pigs just going before him. And, and, and the voice from heaven says, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter says, surely not, Lord. Surely not, Lord. And then again, listen, no, Peter's like a Jewish guy. Peter's like, I've fallen for this trap many times. So Peter goes, surely not, Lord. I'm not going to fall into this trap. I know. No, I won't be tempted, Lord. I will not eat this food. A voice from heaven comes and says, Peter, do not call unclean what I call clean. Ah, ah, Peter's like, this is a tough day. I've just, did you not know the 3,000 that just got saved, Lord? Come on. This man, Peter, then he gets up and because of this, this revelation of that Jesus was not, not just, that wasn't just about food, but it was actually about, he, okay, Jesus came to save not just the Jewish people, but those who are far off, those who were seen as unclean, those who were seen as far, the Gentiles. So because of this revelation, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. He goes there, he leads the first Gentile gets saved. Peter leads him to the Lord. The first Gentile, just by the way, if you're not Jewish here, that's us. Because this was the first man, the first man we owe the gospel coming out of Jerusalem to Peter. This is our man. This is, this is our guy who's this started, got the ball rolling to get it down here to South Africa. So we would have a response, chance to respond to Jesus. This is Peter. What an incredible moment. High moment. Peter back in the good books. Then we turn over in Galatians 2. We find a man, Paul, writing. And Paul starts to write an open rebuke to Peter. And he says, you know what, Peter, you're a good guy. You started off and you went to those Gentiles, you brought the gospel to them, and I heard great things. But every time the Jewish big dogs came back in town, you would pretend you didn't even know the Gentiles and you'd go and eat with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know those sort of guys. You know, it's like you're with cool, oh, all the cool kids here, all oh, the cooler kids have come. Uh, you know, just hanging out, no, not really interested in those guys. 
So Paul writes to Peter and rebukes him and says, actually, he calls him out for being a racist. This is Peter. You're a racist, buddy. What are you doing? This is, I, I love the story of Peter. Just this up, down reality, up, down reality. And we finally stumble upon Peter, finally, in the book of 1 and 2 Peter. Books written, named after him because they were written by him. And they were written at the time when the church were in Rome, and I'll tell us a little bit about it now, when the church were in the, under the greatest sense of persecution. Under Nero, they were, they were being killed, they were being crucified, they were being used as sport for the Roman Empire. And their faith was being so shaken. And Peter, in this man moment, the man who's been up and down, the man who's stumbled along the way, the man who's been called, get behind me, Satan, the man who's been called out as a race, the man who preached great sermons, and yet then falls down the very next moment, that man writes these incredible letters and says, hold firm to the faith. Hold firm to the faith. And we find out in because of church history that Peter was eventually crucified with his wife, and he said, I will, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way as my Savior. So he was crucified upside down. This is the man, Peter. I love his story. I'll tell you why. It's because I think it's a lot like our stories, if I'm honest. Take out the walking on water stuff. <laughs> I think, unless there's something you need to tell me. But I, I really, I think if I'm honest, it's a lot like my story. In this, in this way, up one day, down the next day, up the next day, down the next day, thinking I'm really, I am really counting for God, and then having moments going, I am really doing nothing. I'm actually feeling like I'm going backwards. I, I find such courage in Peter's story. And I want to read us just two verses of Scripture from Peter's writing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. It'll be on the screen here. This is what Peter writes to a church who are under persecution, a church who are fighting for their lives. He says to them, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Let me tell you very quickly this morning why I find these three things incredibly profound. That Peter, in his up and down journey of following Jesus, it comes through his writings here. We find that Peter, I believe, was devoted to three things. Okay with that? Three things? Digestible enough? Number one, first thing we find out, and we'll see in this next script here, is that Peter was devoted to Christ. I love his language here. He says this language to these guys and under persecution, he says to them, you are coming to Christ. Now, he's not writing to people who are, are, haven't made a decision for Jesus yet. This is not evangelistically writing. He's not writing trying to persuade them for the faith. These are people who have given their lives to Jesus. But he uses the present continuous tense saying, you are coming to Christ. Why? Because Peter knows in this moment that he was not declaring that this, is, this thing of Christianity is not a once-off decision thing. This thing of Christianity, of following Jesus, is just that. It's following Jesus. It's not tick it off and move it on, move on. I've done the Jesus thing. I once raised my hand. I said the prayer. I'm in. I signed the card. I'm a follower of Christ. No, sir, ma'am, that does not mean anything unless there's a living, breathing, following reality. You are coming to Christ. You are on present continuously walking with Him. I've said this before, but my marriage to Fiona was made official, yes, and real because of the certificate and the ceremony on the 22nd of February 2014. That day made it official. But let me tell you, if you come to my house and you're wanting to say, prove to me you're married to Fiona, I'm not going to go, where is that certificate again? Hold on. Just give me a second. Just go. She's filed under... No, 
No one goes and gets a certificate. Look, I promised you I'm pr- uh, we're married. I'll prove my marriage to you by the photos, by the stories, by the life that we have made together. Our relationship, yes, this is official. Yes, this has made it real, 100%. Yes, making a decision for Christ is brilliant, it's profound, but actually it's the start of following him. That's what Peter is saying here. We've said it again and again that we, there's a difference in our, we've got a shift in our Western culture from just being believers to being followers. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, we are people who are, we are believers, but Francis Channel, use it one more time. It's been so helpful for me. As he says, if we put a balloon on that wall and he got a gun and says, I'm going to shoot that balloon. And he was a man who's, a, who's a God, renowned as being a great shot with the rifle. And he says, I'm going to shoot the balloon. Who thinks I can pop it? Everyone hands go up. I believe you can do that. He goes, wonderful. Now, who believes it so much that they're going to come and hold the balloon? The hands go down a bit. And he says, okay, how many are going to come and hold it and put it within your teeth while I take the shot? All the hands go down. Mm, preacher gone crazy. And he said, well, here's the problem. Because all of you said you believe that I could do it, but none of you are willing to act on that belief. That's the difference between a lot of us. We'll say, yes, we believe in Jesus, but we're not actually following him. This is the difference. When we actually have to step up and walk with Jesus. You see, I've said it again and again, but I feel it's helpful for my own heart that Jesus is not looking for fans. He doesn't need a fan club to cheer him on. He doesn't need people to say, go Jesus. You're doing really cool stuff there, Jesus. And I'll even write a check every now and again. He's not looking for that. He's looking for followers. How do I know that? The first thing he says on the beach is, come follow me. And it demanded their everything. It didn't say, come believe in me from a distance. Attend a worship service every now and again. No, no, this was all-encompassing, so much so that actually the blessing they prayed over disciples when they left their nets and when they were left their lives to go follow a rabbi was that may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Why was that? So that you could be so close. May you be so closely following him that the dust his feet kick up cover you. That's the blessing that was prayed over them, that this is actually what Peter was called to. You see, the gospel is not just something to accept. It is something to enter into. It's not just something to believe. It's something to follow, not mere doctrinal points. Doctrine has its place. But if doctrine is not leading us to Jesus and following him, I'll say that doctrine is flawed. Jesus is the living word. If we don't encounter the living word, this is just a book. Without faith, this is just a book. I really wish I hadn't done it because I like this Bible. I did that once in the room once and I had more courage and I threw it across the room and I felt the people go, <gasps> and I'm, I, this book is power, but only because it leads me to the living one. Only because it leads me to it. There's not, this is not a book that's kept in a museum. <laughs> no. This book, Engage with Faith, will change your life because it takes you to Jesus. The Word became flesh. And I feel that we got, I really feel we got to get hold of this thing in our hearts because actually this is who we're called to be. And if you want to know a sign, are you following Jesus? I want to ask you, are you quick to repent? Are you quick to return? Because here by Peter's story, we didn't, total devotion did not mean that he was always on top of his game. Let me take that out of here. Total devotion doesn't mean that you're not going to have tough days, not going to have moments where you get rebuked, not going to have moments where you mess up, not going to have moments. That is not the, the, what I'm trying to sell you here. This will be your story 
in following Jesus? But I say, is it following Jesus? Is it moving towards him? Peter, we find in this thing, Peter is a man who's quick to repent often. A quicker man because he knew it was not based on his performance, it was based on Jesus' performance. This is what it means to be followers of Christ. Not trying to get it perfect, but saying, actually, I'm going to trust you in this journey. Second thing he was devoted to was community. I love this. Peter says this. He says, you are, this, he says this, you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. You see, I love this, that Peter used the words living stones. He could have used anything else to symbolize us, anything. But in this moment, he uses the word living stones. He says stones are being built together brick by brick. He says each of you are brick by brick being built together to build a house for the Lord here on earth. And, and I love why he uses this because when he uses this, this is not poetic language meant to inspire a warm and fuzzy feeling inside of you. This is language, living stones for me, indicates there's hard work and slow. You see, I, I, I love new people. Just to confess here, yeah? I love new people. Because they don't know me and they think I'm awesome. I'm being honest. New people are great because they go, Gabe, you're funny, you're witty, your self-deprecating humor is great. <laughs> I love it. Fiona must be so blessed to be married to you. She is. No. <laughs> the truth is, once you get to know somebody, that's when the, the, tr- the true love really becomes. You can't love somebody. That's why celebritism falls short. That's why having your part, hey, my pastor, I watched that stuff on TBN. Now go nuts. Watch it. Be encouraged by it. But that cannot ever be your pastor because you cannot love somebody from a distance because you don't know them. You don't know their flaws. You don't know their laziness. You don't know their, 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 their anxieties. You can't see close up those things. But that's what community is. And actually, I believe when I read Scripture, I see too, so often that Paul is writing. He says he writes to friends, he writes to brothers, and then he'll mention others. And I believe that all three are key in our lives, that we need to have friends in our lives, people who are friends, who will walk with us. Peter had those, James and John, who encourage, hey, chin up, buddy, we can do this. Hey, we, we, we've got this. Brothers, a guy named Paul who can call him out on stuff. Hey, you're being racist. And then I also got these other categories called others who get named and sometimes don't even get named. And they, for me, are those people that actually God brings out across a path and you'll go, actually, I don't think they're ever going to be my best friend. But God says, but you need them. And sometimes they're going to irritate you, but you need them. This is the gospel of community. I, I, t- I tell the story very quickly. Um, I went on a trip. I, was in, I worked for a church in, in Durban for a year. When I say I worked for the church, I did not get paid for that year. So work is a loose term. Um, I volunteered for a year, and I was volunteering out the good of my heart, and there was one guy there who was a guy who just did not like me, and he happened to be the guy who oversaw me that year. (laughs) That year, I think I cried like six, seven times in his office, or outside of his office. I put a brave face there in the office because he just would rebuke me and call me out on everything, every little thing I would do, ridiculous, sometimes ridiculous things. I'm like, I'm not getting paid! surely and I'm, well, I couldn't understand it and then uh, there came a moment where they said hey who wants to go on a mission trip to the Congo I was like that sounds awesome and I was like in signed up and they said the team is led by this guy and I'm like oh and then the weeks went by no one else signed up 
me and him, for five weeks in the Congo. <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, this is going to be exciting. Exciting. It was wonderful. And I uh, went on this trip with him to the Congo, and I'll be honest, it wasn't roses, it wasn't wow. I remember, some, I remember ticking off the days, you know, like uh, those prisoners, like uh, five weeks. I promise you, I was, it, was, it seemed like I was just dragging on, and it was just, it was awkward. It was, you know, we were trying to have, the two of us having a dinner, nothing in common, just was awkward. I look back, and I go, it was in that trip to the Congo that God spoke to me the clearest about my future. It was that trip to the Congo, through that man and, and through even just the environment that it created, that God redefined my future more than it ever has in any other stage of my life. It was on that trip. Yes, it was on the going. Yes, it was on what God does when we step out in faith. But I believe that God actually, I don't believe it was by mistake that God put that guy on that trip with me. Because I believe that others will affect your life more than you ever know. If you are just determining who the people are around you, I'm just going to have these people because they have the same likes, the same interests, and they, they, they are very nice people. I'm going to say you're going to have a limited life, your limited future, because God will bring people along your path that actually you wish weren't there, but God says, will you trust me? That's what following in community is. Because here, here's my thought, that you, you actually might be, here's a big one, you might be the grinding agent God uses to shape someone else. We always put ourselves in my shoes in that story. I think I might be this guy for many other people. I want to be honest, not everyone lights up when they see me. Not everyone's going, Gabe's here, yes. Some people go, oh, Gabe's here. I've got a friend in Durban who every time he sees me, he'll start to clap. And he's being sarcastic because he says, you're the center of attention. You always want the microphone. I don't like that guy because I think it's really close to the truth. <laughs> but you know what? This is the thing that actually, this is what maturity is. Maturity, though, is walking with the same group of people in the same direction for a prolonged length of time. Not always perfect. Not always easy. Not always, always going well. Not always kumbaya. Yes, yes, yes. Community is great. Let me pull that rug from underneath us. Community is hard. Community is messy. But it's the only way to follow Jesus. For time's sake. I could preach all day. Point number three. He was committed to Christ. He was devoted to community. And then here he's devoted to the commission. He says, what's more, you are his holy priests. The thing, as I read the scripture this week again, I was just blown away by this. Because you see, let me give you context one this again, what he's doing. Peter's writing to guys, under, historically we know this, to Christians in Rome under Nero. Nero, if you know the story, Rome is burnt because of his frivolity, and they want his blood. They want Nero's blood. So Nero, what he does, knowing he's under, under fire, he says, he, as political people do, he creates a different enemy. And he says, it was actually the Christians, this new sect, the Christ followers, they have broken away from Judaism. It was them who burnt your city. He raises public opinion to so hate these Christians, these new breed of, of, of Christ followers in Rome, so much so that we have historical evidence that Nero had Christians crucified on trees in his gardens, coated them with wax, and set them on fire to light his nightly walks. He had Christians sewn into hides where any large animal was skinned and then prepared, and then the skin was, uh, was sewn around the victim except for the head, hands, and feet. Then ravenous dogs were set loose. The victim could only scuttle around on all fours like a crab. Nero is said to have laughed heartily as the dogs gnawed at the skin as they would a bone. 
this is, when I say persecution, this was not like some light and fluffy, I'm being persecuted by an enemy. My, my paycheck came a day late. I'm, I'm not wanting to make light of that. I'm just saying this is persecution on a whole new level. You were made for sport. And I, and I go, Peter writes to them, Peter, who's known the ups and downs, who's known the tough moments. Peter writes them, and if I'm honest, I would write and say, guys, bunker down. Just put your heads down, hide away, tuck away, just, just near, near us on the rampage, bide your time. But Peter says, no, it's not time to bunker down. There's no season for retreat. He says, you are holy priests. Bizarre language to use to guys who are desperate for their lives. And, and, and David says it in the Psalms. He says this, David says, in my distress, you enlarged me. Don't you love that scripture? In my distress, you enlarge me. Can I be honest? In my distress, often, the enemy has a field day. In my distress, often, I shrink back. In my distress, often, I want to take a sabbatical. In my distress, I step back from the purpose God had on my life. But this is what Peter's saying, saying this. He's echoing David's words. He says, no, in your distress, God can enlarge you. This is not a time to shrink back. This is not a time to settle down. He says, remember who you're called to be. I love this because out of community, I forget the mission of God. Can I be honest? And I believe it's true for all of us that we all have gospel amnesia. Outside of community, that's why Hebrews, two weeks ago we preached, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. This is not a holier moment than Monday. This is not a holier moment than Friday. This is not. But this is an important moment, Scripture tells us. We don't want to pull back from that. This is an important moment so we can be encouraged, so we can remind ourselves that we are holy priests. Not just trying to make it through, not just waiting for the next paycheck, not just waiting for the next season of the series we're waiting for, not just waiting for the next breakthrough, not just, no, no, you have been called. In your distress, He will enlarge you. And we need our brothers, our friends, and even the others to keep reminding us of, make, of this big call of making disciples. Because it's in community that I get to be generous. It's in community I get to reach out. I get to serve sacrificially. I get to pour my life into something eternal. And this is why Scripture, Paul, and I want to land this, with this this morning, is this the, Paul's language, and, and as we've been getting stuck into the Scriptures, as we're told, and here at Life Change, we don't do membership. We see in the Scriptures, the word says, partnership in the gospel. And I just love that because it's robust. It's not light and fluffy. I believe those who are under persecution understand what partnership in the gospel means. We read in Hebrews 10. If you read the end of Hebrews 10, it says, don't forget how you started. You used to go to prison for one another. That's partnership in the gospel. When, when your loss is my loss, when your joy is my joy, when your, when your tough season, I'm coming close. I'm not going, hey, you need a break. The worst thing you can ever say when you're going through a tough time is I just need a break from people. It never works. That's your time to press into the God's people and who God's called you to be to keep reminding you that you are holy priests. You see in this whole story, Peter's writing this. He's saying this to these guys who are there fighting for their lives, probably having prayer meetings, praying, God, would you change the political agenda? 
They're probably praying, God, would you take Nero out? They're probably saying, praying, praying, saying, God, just please change the agenda. Someone up the top in Rome to pass a law that will protect us. This is inhumane. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to pray for, in the, for the political realm. And the Bible tells us, pray for the government. But this is what Peter's saying. He's saying to him, guys, Rome is not your hope. Not once in the scripture does he tell them, go to Nero and write a letter and appease the cause. He does not do that. He says this. He says to them, Rome is not your hope. Because Rome says Caesar's Lord, we say Jesus is Lord. He says, Rome says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Go an extra mile. Give away your extra cloak. Ultimately, Rome uses, and historically we see Rome, whenever it wanted to conquer a city or conquer a land, they would erect things called crosses, and they would do crucifixions to show their power. Rome, to show their power, crucified the enemy. Jesus, to show his power, crucified himself. Rome is not your hope. Sir, ma'am, the government is not your hope. Your salary is not your hope. Your, 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 your ability to make your future is not your hope. I want to put courage in our hearts today from a man named Peter who was stumbling, who was falling about, but who was following Jesus, who was committed to Christ in amongst all of the ups and downs, who was committed to community, who was committed to the commission, saying, I'm not going to let go. Even though I fall a hundred times, I'll get up a hundred times. And in my distress, he will enlarge me. I want to put it in us because can I tell you, you live long enough, you will bleed. Some of you are bleeding right now, metaphorically. You're bleeding financially. You're bleeding under pressure. You're bleeding emotionally. And can I tell you, if you're not in that place, it's coming. It's coming because this is not our home. We're not there yet. But I want to put courage in you, whether you are falling and stumbling. I land with this last thought one last time. My beautiful little girl, Olivia Grace, the start of the series. I always remember the start of the series because she started to walk if you can call it walking at that stage. It was ungainly. She fell over. It was wobbly like a little baby giraffe. And uh, my job as a dad was not to call out perfection, not to say, come on, Livia, walk better. Straight step, straight step. No, 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 no. My job was to cheer on her progress. Cheer on her progress. She fall, I pick her up. Time to go again. Pick her up. Time to go again. And as the strength comes, it's exciting. And, and I was just reminded of this journey of following Christ on Friday night. Because our beautiful girl, who sleeps through the night, all of a sudden, 10 o'clock till 4 in the morning, screamed her lungs out. Like, what the heck's happening here? Feels like we've gone back in time. And just reminded that this is what it's called to be. It's messy. It's following Jesus is messy. It's hard. It's beautiful. There's ups and downs. But there's always a new de- mercy the next day. The next morning, Olivia Grace looked up at me, Dada. I'm like, were you not there last night? I was about to call out the demons in the middle of the night. That's our Father. Our Heavenly Father has got new mercy. So, sir, ma'am, you've fallen. Maybe you're here today and you're going, I'm, I feel like I've fallen many times. I feel like I've fallen flat on my face right now. It's time to pick yourselves up. Devoted to Christ. Devoted to community. Devoted to the commission. Why? Because he's devoted to you. Jesus still calls out. He walks amongst us right now. I'm telling you, every single one of us afresh. He's saying it to my heart now. Come follow me. There's no ifs and buts. Just that call. Let's close our eyes.
I pray this morning, Jesus, in every single heart here, I pray for the concept of religion to come tumbling down, the concept of that we have to be perfect to come tumbling down, the concept of I'm too messed up, I'm too jacked up to be following Jesus, that to become tumbling down. And I thank you, God, your cross gets erected above us all right now. Your cross that bids, come, follow me, come, die, come, surrender all. I thank you, Jesus, right now in this moment, every single heart is getting a fresh courage, just like Peter. Though we may fall many hundreds of times, we'll get up again and again and say, I will be devoted to you. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people. He was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Father, I pray this over our people, that we would be a people who would devote ourselves to these things and find that the power of our devotion is not in our ability, not in our strength, but in your strength and what you've done for us on the cross. I love you, Jesus. On behalf of my friends, we say we love you. Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. This morning, I pray you're encouraged. I pray you're full of faith to follow Jesus this week. If you need prayer for anything, please remain seated. We'll, we'll have a team who come and pray for you. They'll love to come and sit and encourage you, so please do that. Otherwise, we've got coffees on the go outside here. It's a beautiful day. We've got a good view of the mountain. Don't rush off. My big appeal is stick around. Meet a friend, meet a brother, maybe bump into another. Who knows? Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Deep, oh, but there is not a place I could escape you.